Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. Now that we've fulfilled the essential commandments of the Seder, namely reciting the Haggadah, telling the story, eating the matzah, these two are biblical obligations, eating the marah, the bitter herbs, which today is only of rabbinical requirement because the biblical one is to eat it with the Paschal lamb. Since we don't have the Paschal lamb right now, so we still do it because of rabbinical institution. Uh, we drank already uh, two of the cups of wine, so we did half of that requirement, two of the four. And now we're ready for the meal. Shulchan Orech, a set table. Now, the meal consists of whatever people normally have for a holiday meal, except instead of the bread, the challah, we eat matzah, of course. And the meal begins traditionally with the eating of an egg dipped in salt water. What's the significance of that egg? When the temple stood and we had the paschal lamb, the paschal lamb was not to be eaten as a main course. That was like a dessert. In its place, we eat the afikoman, an extra piece of matzah that we put aside at the beginning of the Seder to substitute for the Paschal lamb. But the Paschal lamb had to be eaten at the end, and before that we ate another course of meat from what was called the Chagiga offering, a festival offering. Now the reason why the Paschal offering has to be eaten at the end of the meal, there are several reasons given. One of the reasons is that if you ate it at the beginning of the meal, People will eat it ravenously, and it doesn't really look like you're a free person. It looks like you're a starving, a homeless individual who hasn't seen food in who knows how long. And that's not respectful, but it doesn't show that you're really celebrating a holiday of liberation, of royalty, of wealth, and, and comfort. So that's why it's eaten at the end, after you already have satisfied your hunger. And the second reason is that we want the taste of the Paschal lamb to linger on. We don't want it to be diluted with the taste of any other food. So we're not going to eat anything else after the Paschal lamb in the days that we had the Paschal lamb and the days that we will have it again, hopefully, with God's help this year. We'll see the rebuilding of the third temple. But in the absence of the Paschal lamb, that piece of matzah takes the place, the afikoman. So that's what the... Eating of the egg symbolizes the festival offering that would be eaten before the Paschal offering. During that meal, we could drink more wine if we want, but it's not counted in the four cups. So in the, the end of the meal, we eat the piece of matzah that we put aside, the larger half of the middle matzah, and that's called the afikoman, the dessert. And that takes the place of the Paschal offering. Now, the way that Afikoman is designated, the symbol of the Seder, is Tzofun. Tzofun means hidden. And the reason why it's called hidden is because we put it away. We took it out of the Seder plate and we hid it somewhere. In some communities, the children have a custom that they will find the Afikoman and they'll blackmail their parents to get them a gift. Otherwise, they don't return the Afikoman. The Chabad custom uh, eschews that kind of behavior. You don't want to teach the children the idea of stealing in any form, even though it's done in, in jest somehow, but it still is a form of, of stealing. At any rate, it's hidden, but there's a spiritual meaning to the idea of hiddenness. 
We're taught in Hasidic thought that there are two levels of consciousness in terms of our negative traits and in terms of our positive traits. There's the overt, the revealed faculties that we have, that we express ourselves overtly, and then there's the hidden dimension of our personality. And sometimes we have hidden evil lurking deep beneath the surface that we're not even aware of, perhaps. But when you're getting out of Egypt, the idea is you're running away, you're escaping every form of Egypt, every form of Mitzrayim, of straits, of confinement, of limitation, of impurity. At the beginning of the Seder, we can only deal with the overt forms. Those are the easier ones. But then when you come to the end of the Seder, and you're approaching the part of the Seder that focuses on the future, the future messianic age, then we have the ability and the requirement to deal with the subconscious, the subliminal, the hidden forms of evil. And conversely, we're able to combat those hidden forms of evil because we are now able to touch the hidden forms of holiness that we have embedded in our psyche, in our souls, which will be fully revealed in the Messianic age. So the second part of the Seder gets us ready for a new level, an advanced level, where we're able to touch the hidden parts of our soul and in turn remove the hidden negative parts of our soul. After we finish the meal, the next part of the Seder is Beirach, we bless, we say the grace after meals. The grace after meals, of course, is designed to thank God for the meal that we have. We say that any time we eat a meal. And as soon as we finish with the grace after meals, we pour, we drink a third cup of wine, and we also pour another cup for Elijah the prophet, because we're told that Elijah the prophet comes to every Seder. Now, Sometimes when we were children, we would look at the cup of Elijah to see if a little bit of the wine was drunk. But of course, Elijah does not come physically, because if he would come physically, how could he be in so many homes at the same time? And also, if he came physically and he drank a little, some policeman would stop him and charge him with intoxication while going from one house to another. So of course, Eliyahu Anavi, Elijah, comes in spirit. But what's the significance of Elijah? We're told that before the Mashiach comes, Eliyahu, Elijah, will be the prophet to announce and herald the coming of Mashiach. The second part of the Seder focuses now not on the past, but on the future. Although the future, the key to the future redemption, which will be a complete redemption, it's often referred to as true and complete, true because it will be one that will last forever and complete, it'll encompass everyone. There will be no one left behind in exile. That's one of the Rebbe's oft-repeated slogans, no Jew will be left behind. While in Egypt, the wicked sons who didn't want to leave Egypt didn't get out. But when it comes to this exile, everyone will come out because the hidden good will be revealed in everyone, and therefore Mashiach will take everyone out. And that's what the cup of Eliyahu symbolizes, the idea that we're getting out of this exile, and there's a prayer that we recite as we open the door for Elijah, which asks God to get rid of those evil forces in the world who are still around and 
block our way to the final redemption. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show.